Welcome to this edition of Joffrey Maverick Memories Podcast, a companion project for the documentary film Joffrey Mavericks of American Dance. This series will highlight personal stories from the alumni of the Joffrey Ballet Company during its more than 50-year history to give a unique inside perspective on what it was like to be part of this groundbreaking American dance company. Today's guest is Tony and Emmy-winning costume designer Willa Kim. Ms. Kim started working with the Joffrey Ballet in the early 1960s for Robert Joffrey's piece Gamelon, which is featured in the film. She also recreated the Picasso-designed costumes for Messine's Parade, which were recently showcased during the Diaghilev's Theater of Marvels exhibit at Lincoln Center. Kim studied painting and illustration at what is now the California Institute of the Arts and started her design career at Paramount Studios. Your um, start in ballet uh, costuming was with Glenn Tetley. Yes. I had just finished a, um, a play and Glenn Tetley was called in to help with the movement. And uh, after it was over, he, he said he was doing a series of dances, his first choreographic work I gathered, and I had actually no introduction to dance. I had only been working in the theater. And he asked me to do one of the ballets, which... I said, of course. So that was my introduction to dance. And it turned out, much to my surprise, to be... uh, It was one evening and held at the Fashion Institute Theater. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was wonderfully received. Um... What, uh, not only critically, but in, in the reviews in the papers, but also wonderfully attended. And because of that, most of the dancers and choreographers in New York City were present at this. And one of them was Robert Joffrey, who still did not have a company at the time. He and Gerald Arpino both called me and arranged a meeting, and asked, he asked me to do his ballet. And uh, Which at the time it, was Gamelon, you said. Yes, I think it was Gamelon. Uh, it's been so long, I can't right. remember. But... Uh, it was an extraordinary experience, and uh, then he, he his company was still not formed. I remember Rebecca Harkness was involved, mm-hmm. and then they had a falling out. Um, it was done for the the first time it was performed. I wasn't there because it was done. They were on tour, and they did it in Russia. Um, yes, this was like 1963 or so when they went to Russia. Exactly, yes, of yeah. course. Yes, I designed them and had them made at uh, the co- a costume shop at Ray Diffin's, I think, in New York. And I didn't get to see it until uh, several years later. I think there was a quarrel between... Um, Robert Joffrey and um, the Harkness. 
Well, he kept me more or less informed about what was going on. I did see the ballet finally at the White House. Okay. Uh, uh, and Robert invited me to come down there and uh, see it, so it was quite wonderful. Um that must have been around 1965 or so. I think they, they did uh, a White House performance. I think around. it was Lyndon Johnson's president. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember it was, a, it was performed outdoors, and uh, there was a reception after that in the White House. And it was quite glamorous. I remember meeting Duke Ellington for the first time. Wow. But working, it was lovely because I knew nothing about ballet except what I had just done for Glenn Tentley, which was wonderfully received. And I've got a lot of attention and all dancers and choreographers were calling me to work with him and... and, uh, I was so surprised at uh, this influx of attention. Now, previous to that, I think you said you had mostly been in assistant roles, that you hadn't been the main designer. Is that right? Yes, I worked with Raoul Pendubois. Actually, I wasn't a designer. I have, My portfolio happened to end up at Paramount. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I turned them down when they called me up and asked me to come to work for them. I said, I'm not a designer. I'm not interested. You know, I'm doing what I want to do. And I just said, I want my portfolio back. (laughs) And uh, when Paramount called. But someone, an older and wiser acquaintance said, you know, you're a fool. You have to. You don't get offered these you know, paramount jobs. And I was very young, too. I was just out of school. And uh, so I went. This woman walked by my office and asked me if I would do some color samples for her. Her name was Barbara Karinsko. And the sketches were by Raoul Pendubois, who was designing the movie. And, of course, if I knew anything about design, I would have recognized who they were mm-hmm. and uh, been thoroughly impressed. <laughs> but I didn't, and uh, I did see his sketches because she asked me to uh, do color samples. And when she realized, she, said, she went to the front office and said, this girl understands color. And I want her to work with me, so they arranged that. And the next thing I knew, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, she was such an extraordinary woman. And and in her field, which was a new field, she was in charge of the production of the costumes, of making of the costumes. Right. So I suddenly was thrown into a whole new world with her, not only being at Paramount, which is pretty glamorous, but uh, uh, meeting Raoul, who, uh, whose sketches 
absolutely, you know, knocked me out because they were brilliant, brilliant uh, works of art. Mm-hmm. And, Do you know uh, what the production, do you remember what the production was? The movie was called uh, Lady in the Dark. So the next thing I knew, I was in this rather extremely glamorous world with Karinska and all of her European contacts and New York. And at the end of the movie, she went on to MGM and then went back to New York. But uh, she asked me if I ever came to New York, you know, she would give me a job. So I did eventually come to New York. Well, by this time, it was in the early 60s, and I had just started working on my own, doing off-Broadway, and and very, very busy. When I met Glenn, who I mentioned that we had met working on a play, and he asked me to do this in ballet, and uh, Birds of Sorrow, and... uh, Naturally, doing that, I was, you know, I had a tremendous exposure to um, the dance world. So I suddenly ended up uh, with Robert Joffrey. And that was quite a, a whole different world. Because you, know, you also had to think about instead of just you design the costumes, but the costumes had to be uh, functional. Yes, I had I had to learn to deal with movement. And in the meantime, I was uh, I was I was working off Broadway, and really, and off Broadway at that time was so extraordinary because it was very avant-garde. And I could do things that there there was absolutely no supervision. I could just do what I wanted to do. And that's where I first ran into my Chris Spandex. Mm -hmm. Betty Williams, who was making my costumes for the the Joffrey, uh, showed me this new fabric, which is called Lycra spandex. And uh, I used them on uh, on the Joffrey Ballet. And, of course, by that time, I also had found this wonderful factory in uh in uh, I was doing a Sam Shepard play, and I had designed some costumes, which I had one of the leading lady in a printed dress that was being made, and I said I want the print on the fabric to be exactly the print I've drawn on my sketch to the costume house Eve's Costumes at the time, and I said don't bring me any printed fabric samples because I'm not going to okay them. So he was searching for a way of creating the fabric that I wanted. And one of his uh, golfing partners on the weekend told him that he had a factory in Brooklyn that printed fabrics. And so he told me about that, and I said, oh, wonderful. 
so we'll so screen everything or something like that. And, mm-hmm. and he, I went out to look at the 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 factory and to meet him. And um, he showed me uh, the the paints that were being used, and they were because the, I knew the the most of the paints that were available to theater designers was very stiff, and it would harden the fabric. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't want that. I said, you print. I said, look, oh, there were all these fabrics being printed on rollers in his factory. And I said, what is that? Why? And he said, oh, that's, that's some poochie prints we're doing. I said, what, are, what is the fabric you're using? And he said, nylon. This is, a, you know, which was very popular in the 60s, if you knew anything about that era. Right. Uh, and I said, that's the paint I want, because I have this new fabric called like, Lycra Spandex. And I want to use it for my ballet. He said, well, we can't sell these small. You know, we're a big factory. We don't deal with small orders. And I said, oh, I said, you have to sell, you know, moaning and carrying on. And and I said, they're for ballet costumes. He said, oh, I have a couple of nieces that are studying ballet. I said, they are. I said, what if I got you a scholarship? Would you sell me the paints? No, he brushed it off. And so I went to to Robert Joffrey, and I said, Bob, I, you know, I can't do these costumes unless I get this place to sell, sell me the paints. And he says, what do I have to do? And I said, you have to give me a couple of scholarships for the, the, the nieces. He said, all right, whatever you need, well, you, you know. So that's how we got those, the Lycra spandex I got from the uh, oh, the manufacturer, because they weren't selling Lycra spandex. They, it was only being sold wholesale. So as so, knew, that was the first time that anybody, any costume had been made from Lycra spandex that had been Right, uh-huh. And choreographers were all sitting in the audience, and they they said, "What's that fabric on those people?" <laughs> and I said, "It's like Hispanics. They didn't know about it. It has only been used for women's underwear, ah. parts of the underwear, you know, girdles and things." Mm-hmm. And I did the painting myself at that time, hmm. and I had to teach people to paint, use paints. Because it was a very complicated process. You had to test the paints, steam them to develop the color, wash them, and then you knew what you had. You, so it meant that you had to keep testing colors until you got the color, the exact color you wanted. But once you got this all organized and, you know, put into cans with the numbers and things, they could. we could then paint on on the... Like her spandex, the costumes were to uh, put on um, uh, window um, display models, you know, the dummies, mm-hmm. and uh, paint on them. Right. Because they had to be stretched to be painted on. 
Now, so how we would knew you clean, exactly where we were painting. How would you clean something like that? Huh? How would you clean? You wash like them. That? Once they were steamed, they were permanent. Oh, okay. And then they, the, which is the way they do them now. When you have, when you buy tights and costumes that are made commercially, they're all done with this process, hmm. which I introduced. And then you went on to work with, um, when they reconstructed uh, Messine's parade. Um, you well, that was many years later. Right. Yes, because by that time, you know, Robert thought I was pretty good. And when he got that, uh, I must say for Robert that he he did so many things that were innovative. I like do it, bringing the Diaghilev Ballets to his company. Yes. Uh, and of course, I knew about them because I was a painter, and I uh, knew all about Diaghilev. And, and I didn't know anything about ballet, but I knew about Diaghilev and how he had brought paint, wonderful fine arts painters to ballet. Mm-hmm. You know, they recently had an exhibit here at Lincoln Center on some of the Diaghilev ballets, and they had a wonderful exhibit on Diaghilev and his contribution to ballet, and they also had costumes on exhibit, plus a few of the old ones, which they were managed to find. Right. But the new ones that they found were all from the Joffrey Ballet. If Bob hadn't been interested, there'd be no record of of um, these. And they were all painted by me, by the way. <laughs> and so when you worked with choreographers, how how does the process usually work? Do they do they already have the the ballet formulated in their mind, or are they looking for inspiration from a lots of different places and you sit with them? Well, I'm, the, I'm sure they're looking for inspiration, but the, they don't, I don't, I'm not involved in that. Right. Uh, but I've worked with so many choreographers, and one of the first things, I mean, after working with uh, Glenn Tetley, I, I insisted that I see them while they're choreographing, or before it's actually finished. And then I have them tape the um, while they're still in rehearsal clothes. Mm-hmm. Tape the thing, and I have my screen here, and I play the tape uh, while I'm trying to design it. And that's helped me a lot. Well, what do because you get I, from the tape? What do you? What is, is it? The music? Is it the movement? Is it a, a flavor? Or it's tone? a movement. Okay. It's the choreography that I'm looking at. Hmm. I, then I know what I can't do. Right. You know, I, I can't put things that will constrict them. Mm-hmm. I certainly want to do things that will make their movement more interesting or, or certainly more beautiful. Thank you for listening to this edition of our podcast. Visit our website at www.joffreymovie.com to sign up and receive a free series of digital photo books entitled Joffrey Maverick Moments. 
Find us on Facebook, Joffrey Ballet Movie. Follow us on Twitter, at Joffrey Movie. And view our video clips on our YouTube channel, Joffrey Movie.